everyone, this is Ronan. This is John Ramsey. And welcome back to Boxes and Lions, part deux. That part means second podcast. Deux. 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 Yes. That's French. We had to do it again because the response to the first one was so overwhelming. Uh, but we decided to do it anyway. <laughs> That's the reason no. why we're doing this. Yeah. So what's our topic today, John? Our topic today is market data. And specifically, exchange market data that participants have to subscribe to in order to participate in the equity markets and why that's a big issue why does people are concerned about it what the regulators have been doing lately about it and most importantly why IEX is different in its approach to those issues and for those of you not in the industry God knows why you're listening to us to <laughs> ramble on but what what market data basically is trade data and quote data and all that means is when there's quotes on an exchange as to the buy and sell interest and after a trade goes off, that's considered trade data. So people buy market data so they understand, one, what's being quoted on exchanges. They buy trade data to understand what just traded and at what price it traded. And it's really, really important for trading strategies, whether a human trader or an algo trader using computers to trade. So market data is a key, key conversation and something that is a hot debate, probably the hottest topic other than the transaction fee pilot, which we'll get into on another podcast. No one's sick of this yet. No, no I hope not. Absolutely and they no should one. love IEX because we are carrying the banner on market data, and we have for a long time. And uh, I just, and I think I should be paid a little extra for that. But we'll we'll talk about that later. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, lowering your salary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. All right. So, Ronan, why is this? Oh my God! I dropped the paper. Uh, here we go. So. Why is this a big deal? Why are, what are people complaining about? Exchanges say they're just trying to make a living. They have a right to make a profit like everybody else. The fact that they make money from data is no big deal. They don't make that much from it. What, what's your perspective? And how did you start out in the industry? Why do you have anything to contribute at all on this topic? I have something to contribute on all topics, John. But um, why, why this is a big deal? I don't think anyone in the industry thinks that it's not okay for exchanges to charge for these services. No one can, you know, logically make an argument against charging for these services. I think what the uproar is, is around how much they're charging for these services, they being the other exchanges, and how often these fees change. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors when people say the costs have gone up, exchanges will retort, oh no, they haven't on this particular thing and they're kind of missing the grand story. So kind of how I get involved in this and the part of this where I take exception to and almost take an insult on is the physical connectivity part of these things. So people will say market data. Market data is all encompassing. If you don't include the physical connectivity to take the market data, well then the market data is useless. So by that I mean if you want to take the feeds of these exchanges, you need to be in the data centers of these exchanges and you need to physically connect to the exchanges. That's the only way you can take the market data that you pay for if you're connecting directly to the exchanges. Oh, so you mean that they, they charge you separately in order to be connected to receive the market data? They get money from that too? Yes, and the genuine look of shock on your face is amazing. <laughs> but yes, that is, that is the truth. So, it was a rhetorical question. It was a lead-in in, in, to give you a chance to explain more fully. I'm I, sorry. Get, I get that. You're okay. still getting paid less money. Okay. So. <laughs> What that means is you subscribe to the market data feed, but you have to be in the data center of the exchange in order to take it, if you connect directly. So I don't want semantics out there to say that's not technically true. And I used to work in the data center business, and basically many of you out there probably know what this is, but the way in which you connect to another party in a data center, whether it's an exchange, 
whether it's the cloud, whatever it is, is you put your servers in a data center and a cable is run between your servers and the exchange's servers, technically network switches. That cable is called a cross-connect. A cross-connect, generally in the data center business, you usually charge $350 a month for that cross-connect. If you talk to anybody who works in the data center business, they will tell you that if you keep that cross-connect for a year or longer, the margin on that is above 90%. Some will say above 95%. Whereas some of the exchanges now are charging you for that same piece of cable across the same data center, uh, you know, multiple thousands up to like $22,000 a month for the cable. $22,000 a month for the cable. And even the more insulting part is $15,000 to install the cable. So when you couple that with market data, there is far more when you peel back the onion than just saying the actual feed itself has only gone up a few percent per year. And you used to sell these services for for a living, so you know wherever you speak, I, I'm, I'm taking it, uh, right? Yes, yes I do, John. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I always assume that you do, but particularly this. I wish you this, could see the look on his face as he says this, incredulous that I know about yeah. something No, 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 no. I know yeah. a lot. I yeah. know that you do, and I have enormous respect for you, even though you keep um, telling me to, that you're gonna dock me. Um, so, so, but the exchanges argue that they um, they compete with each other on the sale of market data or connectivity. And they say, for example, people can get uh, data through vendors. They don't have to get it directly from paying these high connectivity fees. So all of this is overblown. Is that really a practical alternative? No, absolutely not. And I mean, I, I think it's disingenuous. And they know themselves that what it's they're saying. Disingenuous. Disingenuous. In Ireland, okay, it's, okay. it's oh. called the Belgian oh. dip. <laughs> the Austin Powers. No, yeah. No. Disingenuous. No. Apologies. Yeah. But um, it, it's it's complete nonsense if they're being honest with themselves. I mean, you've had um, large buy side firms on public panels talk about they'll only trade with broker counterparties that take the direct feeds. So while some people don't need the direct feeds and don't have to connect to the exchange. The people that the institutional investors rely on do, in fact, have them, and you know the institutional investors are stating it both publicly on panels as well as in white papers. And Matt Kanak, in particular, and I'll say his name because he said it publicly. It's not like he's been particularly, you know, like soft-spoken about this. But I think there's a lot. Matt, of that was John who outed you. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> Thank you. But there's Blame many John. other people in the buy side world who absolutely agree with this point of view and um, concerned about it, and and that's why this issue has become increasingly um, a focus of buy side firms who have been writing comment letters about it and much more outspoken about it. So yeah, that's a great point because you know sometimes the other exchanges will make arguments that it's like BMW drivers versus Mercedes drivers or something, the exchanges versus brokers, and they're not taking into account that the, the buy side have a view on this. The sell side, clearly the brokers um, feel that you know, you're having a laugh at some point if you just keep upping the prices because the brokers, per their clients, have to subscribe to these. There's not, there's not competition. When you're a broker, you have to subscribe to the market data from each of these exchanges. To say you don't is not true. So the buy side care about this because the buy side see that they're paying their brokers on a variable basis, on a per share basis. You know, ADV has sort of held stable for the last few years. The brokers are paid on a variable basis, yet every month they have to pay the exchanges. These, what the exchanges will call in their earnings calls, subscription fees. So whether the volume's up, whether the volume's down, you're still paying the same subscription fee. And then the other thing that's, you know, utter nonsense is then uh, they'll say things, the other exchanges, well, well, on average, on average with the execution fees, we're cheaper than a venue like IX. 
and I would say and I would ask publicly cheaper for who cheaper for who because when we talk to the brokers they tell us take the technology fees out of play and their transaction fees with the exchanges are higher than they are on IEX and this is not an IEX versus the other exchange thing but what you have to understand is when you look at the um, the rebate structure or the make it taker model uh, on you know 60% of the volume goes off on you know exchanges right now well, approximately 60% a high percentage of that roughly 80% of that trades on a venue that one side of the trade is paying 30 mils per share so yes, one side of the trade is getting a rebate, one side's paying 30 mils a share. Unless you net out 50-50% make-take, you're paying a greater fee. So you add that uh, on a per share basis on top of all the technology fees, that's why the brokers care, that's why the buy side should care. So this is not just brokers and exchanges slinging mud at each other, there, there's a real issue here. That was very well said, Ronan Ryan. It was a little long-winded, but it was very well said. I learned by watching uh, you, John. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, so, it's uh, so yeah. Nasdaq just put out a, a piece where they tried yeah, to I'm make just the point. Having a sip that, of Irish tea. That, yes, we thank you. Top of the morning to you. Um, oh, it's lovely. <laughs> he thinks I have a terrible Irish accent, but I'm persistent doing it because, number one, it's charming and it's a nice way of keeping things light, which is how we roll here at IEX. Yeah, anyway, that's what I tell everyone. You know, <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah, so NASDAQ says, for example, what's this big deal about market data and connectivity? Actually, only about a third of our members actually receive data correct, uh, directly. And, um, you know, most of our members don't subscribe to depth of book or the most detailed market data. But the point is, I sort of flip that around and say, why is that the case? Presumably, a lot of brokers aren't paying for it because they can't afford it. And that means that that effectively is a barrier to entry to people being able to trade on these exchanges in the most competitive way to be able to vie for the business of T. Rowe Price and some of these other um, companies. So the exchanges um, try to say this isn't a big issue because most people don't buy it. Most people don't buy it because they can't affect it, because they can't afford it. And so they're determining who is able to participate in the markets. Um, at a high level, uh, which just feels like it's wrong. So we've been talking about all of this, uh, the impact um, on the markets and uh, practices of other exchanges. We're obviously an exchange, so and we're not charging for this stuff ourselves. Uh, why is that? And if we did, would would you pay me more money? Then? <laughs> I will never pay you more okay. money. All right, but I love you, John. Yeah. Um, you surprisingly hit the nail on the head there. I'm really impressed. So. Maybe I'll consider keeping yourself <laughs> insane. But um, what, why why is IEX not charging? Yeah, I mean we, we feel that the model should be you know ironically enough back to what exchanges used to be: make your money, bringing buyers and buyers and sellers together, and charge both sides of the trade. There could be nothing you know m more fair than that. And charging for market data, and we can talk about our port fee charge in a minute. So I, I don't contradict anything mm -hmm. that I say. But we just don't feel that charging for market data fits into that model especially when as we became an exchange we, we get the joke since September 16 as an exchange we have a protected quote technically you need to be taking in our direct feed um, whether you think 3% of the market is big enough to do so or not everybody is taking our direct feed because it's free um, so you mentioned this port fee filing so there's <laughs> There's market data feeds themselves. We don't charge for that. There's the physical connections in the data um, center. We don't charge for that. 
There also are what are called logical port fees. Um, so logical, but so what are those and why are we charging for that? What are we charging for? And is that hypocritical? Yeah, so I, I don't believe it's hypocritical at all. In fact, we were sort of uh, pu pushed into charging for fees by many of our broker partners, and there's a real reason why. So let me explain what they are first, and then I can explain why we charge them and how we came up with the fee that we charged and, and you know, how we uh, filed that with the SEC. So a logical port just means this. When you connect into a stock exchange, we talked about the cross-connect. That's your physical connection, your physical pipe into the exchange. When you trade on the exchange, um, you need a number of ports in order to send in your messages. People will often load balance across many ports because they don't want to bottleneck their trades. In a time of high volume, people have different desks at different brokers, yep. at different firms. It's totally fine that people need more than one port, totally understandable. But from an exchange standpoint, in order to allocate a port to a client, you have to allocate a port on a network switch costs money. You have to allocate them an IP address, which IP addresses used to be free, but now because ranges, IP address ranges are being oversubscribed, we've actually had to pay to provide IP addresses to the client. So on a port by port basis, there's real actual cost. We found by giving away the ports for free, it's kind of like you put candy up on the front of your desk in the lobby, people will grab a handful rather than one. A lot of people took more ports than they need, and that's clearly evidenced by three years later. There's people who have never even connected to the ports that we've ascribed to them, and they've never used those ports. So there's two things to what we wanted to do here. The first was that the brokerage community asked us, they said, listen, um, it's great that you don't charge for these things, but sometimes people undervalue free. Meaning, is it better to give things away for free? Or maybe if you should show other exchanges how to price their ports, how to price the individual products that they sell. Um, also, it was in timing with the SEC had put out uh, a notice requiring more disclosure. On Staff fees. guidance that said when exchanges want to be able to justify fee increases of this type, they need to, they should provide a lot more disclosure about how and why and how people are going to be impacted. Bingo. And that was, that was the reason why we did this. So earlier in the year, I believe it's almost October now, but earlier in the year, we put out uh, a white paper on our costs, how much it costs IEX to provide all of these services. One of the components was logical ports. We thought that was the, not funny, we thought that was the logical component to address was logical ports. That's because, very clever. I know thank, thank you, John. You, yeah, I worked on that all last night. But um, logical to charge for logical ports. And the reason behind that is there's a real attributable cost that's unassailable per port. So what we did is we filed with the SEC, we showed that our port costs, uh, including employee, including regulatory involvement, we, we threw the whole kitchen sink at it and we believe our per port cost is $83 <coughs> per month. Then what we did is we, moved, we charged $100 for each of those ports, but only for uh, ports above five, meaning we give the first five ports to the brokers for free, six and above you pay $100 per month. So I'm not very good at math, but it sounds to me like if we're giving every broker five free and then we're charging uh, $100 um, for everything over that, we're probably not even covering our costs, are we? That is right, John. That is very astute <laughs> that you. you picked that up. Thank you. <laughs> well, right. so I, I believe 72% of our member brokers use less than five ports. Mm -hmm. uh, those that use above five ports, some have said they might regroom, look into you know why they're not using some of the ports that we've assigned to them. 
And that, that's perfect by us. We're not looking to charge them $100 a month for ports that they're not using. And in fact, getting some of those IPs and ports back would um, be a good thing for IEX as well. So yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, this is not a cost recovery model. In fact, what we're charging for these ports, uh, ports six and above, uh, does not recoup our costs to run this technology plant. But it is good, it's a good line in the sand to say, these are costs, this is how we plan to charge for them. And it's been really, really well received by the buy side, by the sell side, and obviously not by our competitors, but that's fine. No, and the competitors actually, their only reaction to the uh, filing that we put out was, why should you provide all this disclosure? Why is it necessary? Um, it shouldn't, because they're afraid that they're going to be held to the same standard, which obviously they don't want to be if they had to provide a lot more disclosure about how all of their members are affected by um, particular fee increases. They'll have a lot harder time getting them approved. Yeah, um, can I ask you a question? Because this comes up a lot. Please. Please do. Um, platform theory, right? So I've heard from the other exchanges around platform theory. You can't yeah. decouple the, the uh, trading uh, business, the cost per share right. from the technology business. What's, right. What are your thoughts there? I have some so, strong ones. So the, yeah, so the, the platform, my view is the so-called platform theory is just the exchange's latest kind of bullshit label for the argument they've been trying to make for the last 10 years as to why the market is actually competitive or why prices are held down by competition. So they're basically saying, Brokers make decisions among exchanges based on sort of the, the total cost of trading and yeah, that includes the cost of connectivity and the cost of market data, but also uh, transaction prices. And they say transaction pricing is very competitive, exchanges um, trade very competitively on that, and so you should look at the whole thing and you can't separate any one piece of it, you have to judge it as a, as a total platform. And it seems to me that's just a, a total way of obfuscating the main issue, which is brokers are required to, as a practical matter for the reasons we've been describing, are required, regardless of how much they trade on any one exchange, they still have to be connected to all of the major exchanges. They still have to pay for some level of proprietary market data in order to be competitive. So sure, they may send more or less order flow to one exchange depending upon how much, uh, what the transaction pricing is on that exchange. But the other revenue is all subscription revenue. They have to, it's a binary choice. They have to subscribe to it in order to participate in the first place. So the idea that because transaction pricing is competitive, it means the rest of it is, is just, um, it's unrealistic. And, and nobody who is in the industry believes that that's the case. Um, so I, I think that the, um, in order to show that prices were really held down by competition, you'd need to be able to show, for example, that if you if an exchange decreased its uh, pricing for its market data, that that the market volume um, volume of trading actually went up, or in the reverse, if uh, pricing for data went too high, that volume would go down. They've never been able to prove that. They've never be, been able to prove that. Um, participants actually um, can trade one uh, form of exchange data for another or that they compete with each other in that way. They've been trying to make these arguments for the last 10 years. The federal courts haven't bought it. Now the SEC is not buying it. So they just keep trying to come up with new labels to try to prove the same failed arguments that have failed before. Boom. 
You Boom. just blew my mind, John. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you're a little long-winded and said bullshit at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, 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 we can bleep that out. Okay. So I, I definitely agree. The, the transaction cost side of it, uh, the trading, that's, that's competitive. Absolutely, it's competitive. But um, the other side is not. Market data is not. And um, the whole platform theory is a, a bunch of nonsense. When you say you can't decouple something because that's the argument, it's impossible to decouple it, it's been decoupled for centuries, been decoupled for decades. It's only that they started charging for market data, cross connects, and all this other nonsense in the past 15 to 20 years. So to say you can't decouple it is, is complete rubbish. Also, when you try to unwind the other exchange bills, we're a subscriber to these other exchanges, so I can speak to this confidently. There's like literally reams of papers from each of these on what the hell it is that you bought for them or what the hell they're charging you for, and you can fit our pricing in a tweet, I don't even tweet, whatever the hell, but it's like 140 characters or something small. Uh-huh, yeah, something like that. I it's kind of that you really sort of got, fit in there. Yeah, get with the times. I mean, it's like, you know, twi Twitter's Hot like calling the kettle black. Yeah, and incredible. then, you know, to talk about subscription revenue, I, I find that interesting when, you know, on quarterly earnings calls, I'm just waiting for someone to ask them the question. So anyone out there in um, um, podcast world, if you want to ask this on the next earnings call, but the exchanges will talk to how their subscription revenue continues to grow quarter over quarter when factually there's less subscribers quarter over quarter than there previously have been. So if you're not charging more for market data, you have less subscribers. Um, let's just do the math. You have to be charging subscribers more and more. So which and one is it? And it's the flip side of this other argument that we're making. It's not a question of how many people are actually paying for this stuff. It's how much are they being charged for it and what's the impact on the people that are not able to pay those fees. It's the, the test of whether an exchange is exerting what the economists call market power or you know super competitive pricing. It's not the number of people that's affected. It's a question of the impact on those people who are required to pay the charge in order to participate fully in the markets. That's what the federal courts have been saying you know, for the last 10 years. The exchanges haven't been able to come up with an argument really to rebut it. Um, so that's where we are now. And the SEC, I think, finally has sort of seen the light um, and has uh, rejected exchange fees on the grounds that, um, or at least said that the exchanges haven't shown that the market is competitive so they can't problem is for the last 10 years the exchange has been making these rule filings that basically just say well the market is competitive and therefore you don't have to look at anything else you don't have to look at how these fees are actually impacting different member firms you don't have to look at the impact on competition or whether they're non-discriminatory um, and largely they've been getting a free pass suddenly they're not getting a free pass and that's what they're, re they're reacting to I think. Yeah, no, I agree and I, I, I'd like to kind of end this with, with this. this. This is not... Why are we ending it? Did we need to end it? Um, it seemed like it was going pretty well. You're annoying the shit out of me, <laughs> but um, what, what I would say is this, this is not IEX rhetoric. This is, this is an absolute belief we had before we even formed this company. We put our money where our mouth is. We're an exchange. We could charge for market data if we want. I mean, if you just go out and in a non-tone-deaf way, talk to the community, talk to the buy side, talk to the sell side. Everybody feels this way. I mean, it's like, you know, that English expression, you're, you're having a laugh, mate. If you think you're pulling the wool over our eyes. I like that. You're having a laugh, mate. Yeah, on three. Yeah. One, two, three. You're, you're having, having a laugh, laugh mate. <laughs> so we don't want to be all negative on this podcast at all. So I'm going to ask my esteemed colleague, John Ramsey, what's the way forward in your opinion? 
Well, I think one idea is to try to turn these the so-called SIPs or the Securities Information Processors. This is the consolidated data feed that was supposed to be a way of democratizing market data to really make it work as a source of competition. So have competing consolidators rather than just leave this utility function, which is supposed to, which is managed by all of the exchanges as a group who have a huge conflict of interest because they want to keep the value of their own proprietary data feeds as high as possible. So they're going to undermine the SIPs or limit their effectiveness um, any way they can. So I think one thing that I've written a little bit about, um, if you would like to go to my Twitter, I don't even have a Twitter account, so you won't be able to do that, but you can find it on our, uh, on our, uh, you can find it on our website, right? We have it posted there. Um, this idea of creating competing consolidators and having those be able to get all of the data from all of the major exchanges um, and have that as a source of, of real competition that would actually hold down um, exchange price increases. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. This is really important. Anyway, this has been a pleasure, Ronan Ryan. Uh, I've, uh, Ryan, whatever your name is, I feel like we've covered a lot of important territory, and I think we've educated people, and I hope that we've, uh, you know, uh, bonded to our listeners, perhaps, in a way that will um, help us in future podcasts. Yeah, I'm certainly glad you think so, John. Um, <laughs> I'm just sweating in this room here, so let's end this podcast and go on with our... Merry lives. Thank you. And top of the morning to you. Hi, this is Ronan Ryan, co-founder of IEX, home of the Investors Exchange. Thanks for listening to our podcast, Boxes and Lines. If you liked it, you can find this and other episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we want your feedback on topics, guests, and whatever you want to provide feedback on. So send a DM, that means a direct message, to at IEX on Twitter and let us know your thoughts. Until next time. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only, and IEX Group, Inc. and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversations may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group, Inc. All rights reserved.